0: I grew up eating Jewish deli food at the Bagel Deli in Denver, Colorado. And I've always wondered why deli food is considered Jewish. I mean, it's not like back in the day, Moses was baking rye bread and curing corned beef. So, where did this notion of the Jewish deli come from? How is it that a decidedly non-kosher sandwich featuring pastrami, coleslaw, Swiss cheese, and Russian dressing which is the number 19 at Langer's, how is that considered Jewish? Also, which is the superior sandwich? Langer's number 19 or just a plain pastrami on rye? Well, on this episode of The Kibitz, part two of our three-part series on food, we'll find out the answers to all of these questions I've got food trend expert and writer David Sachs, the owners of Langer's Deli, and fellow podcaster slash food blogger Zach Brooks, who conducted a very thorough podcaster versus podcaster sandwich throwdown with me at Langer's. The results may surprise you. So put on your lobster bib and hold the mayo for this nosherific episode of The Kibbits. David Sachs is a freelance writer specializing in business and food. His writing appears regularly in the New York Times, Bloomberg Businessweek, Savour, The Grid Toronto, and other publications. He is the author of Save the Deli, In Search of Perfect Pastrami, Crusty Rye, and The Heart of Jewish Delicatessen. And he's won a James Beard Award for writing and literature. He lives in Toronto, so I interviewed him by phone. Here's David. Welcome to the Kibbutz, David Sachs. We're excited to have you here. You're sort of an expert on, on food and in particular Jewish deli food. So how like how did you become an expert on on Jewish deli food?
1: I, I wrote a book on it. Yeah. And so when you write a book on anything, you become the expert. <laughs> uh, you know, it, <laughs> I was like many of the Kibbutz listeners, just your average North American Jewish kid who went for deli on a regular basis with his family. Um, and it was always something that we cherished was it was a weekly part of our eating ritual, like the Chinese restaurant on Sunday. Um, When I was in university, I wrote a paper for a Jewish sociology class about the Jewish deli, and uh, you know what I was hearing from the deli owners was that it is really a a disappearing and dying institution at the time. Uh, And and so this kind of started me on a journey that led to this book. Uh, And then when I wrote the book, you know, just by virtue of doing two years worth of research and visiting, I think it was something like two hundred delis, not just around North America but around the world, uh, I became the expert on Jewish delicatessens.
0: Wow. And so what was the what was sort of the most surprising thing that you found out in, in all of that uh, research?
1: I think it was how much the Jewish delicatessen experience uh is shaped by the circumstances of those particular communities. So, you know, we tend to think of the North American or the New York-style Jewish deli as, you know, a fully formed thing that arrived from Europe, but in reality, you know, each community's deli, even within North America, um, the taste, the dishes, the layout, the atmosphere, really is shaped by... Or the way that those individual communities evolved, whether it was demographics, whether it's economic circumstances, whether it's the climate, um, whether it's real estate prices. And so, you know, all of that leads to the fact that, you know, it's not just one deli. Uh, there are multiple delis. There are multiple deli scenes and deli cultures around um, the world wherever Ashkenazi Jews are living or have lived.
0: And and what did you really find out about the kind of the origins of that? I mean, does it all come from just Eastern European uh, style food or what What makes it particularly Jewish, do you think?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think, it would, you know, the origins are in, in the, the food of the Ashkenazi diaspora uh, in in Eastern Europe, which, again, spans, you know, a tremendous geographic, historical, cultural, and ethnic framework, right? The, the food in those communities was the kosherized version of the local cuisine right? the the kiszka that we know today is sort of like the kosher version of Polish kiszki blood sausage um uh and so over time as Different groups of Eastern European Jews fled persecution or looked for better economic circumstances in places ranging from you know, the United States, Canada, Australia, Israel, um, England, France, and 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 you know even Argentina and Brazil. Uh, when they went there, they. Um, coalesced with Jews from other Eastern European communities. The Litvaks and the Poles and the Galicianers and um, and the Russian Jews all were living together, where before they were separated by hundreds of thousands of miles because um, they lived in different countries. And so their cuisine started blending together, whereas maybe in that first generation of uh, Eastern European Jewish delicatessens, it was kind of the Romanian deli and the Polish deli and the Litvak deli, all of a sudden it just became the Jewish deli. Um, And with each successive generation, that food coalesced into its own kind of cuisine, which by virtue became defined by the United States and by New York simply because that's where the greatest numbers um, of Eastern European Jewish immigrants were living.
0: I I never thought about that. That basically was just adaptations of, of the local cuisines, but done in a kosher way. Is that? I mean, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is a cuisine. This is a question for kasher v. Kasher, but um, <laughs> but it, that's exactly what it is. I mean, all Jewish cuisine, with the exception, I think someone said, of matza, um, is 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 exactly that. It is the adaptation of whatever local cuisine there is uh, to adhere to to the laws of Kashrut, and then from there, it becomes whatever it becomes because it evolves within that context. So in the context of North American Jewish delis, uh, you know, after the post-war period, many more of them uh, stopped becoming kosher. And so you had the emergence of things like the Reuben sandwich, a decidedly trace creation that nevertheless is seen as a staple of the Jewish deli, even though it is in no way kosher um, and religious Jews would never, would never go near it. Right. Right. Uh, But, so, so you see it as, as those things, you know, as that cuisine evolves, but that's the place where, where it comes from. That's, that's its Jewishness. And the other element of the Jewishness is it is food that is sort of cooked by Jews or, or served in establishments that identify themselves as Jewish, um, whether their proprietors are Jewish, whether their staff is Jewish or not.
0: Mm-hmm. You visited about 200 delis. Did, did you find a favorite? Uh,
1: you know, I, I found favorites for certain things. So, you know, my favorite pastrami sandwich was at Langer's, or my favorite um, kugel was at uh, Kenny and Ziggy's in Houston. Um, uh, You know, my favorite sort of bagel and lox and and, and smoked salmon thing outside of... um, Outside of you know Russ and Daughters was was at uh, Kenny and Zook's in in Portland, Oregon. Uh, you know the, the rye bread in Detroit, the double baked rye was was the best, and um, and so you, you would you'd see that each deli has its strengths and its its weaknesses, its, its things that it's known for, and the things that you know uh, it isn't. Even though they all claimed to have the best corned beef and the best pastrami, which ninety nine percent right. of them are using the same. Supplier,
0: so right as it turns out. (laughs) So, and you wrote in in the book uh, "Save the Deli" that you wrote, which was now, I guess, seven years ago. um, You wrote that across North America, Jewish delicatessens are disappearing faster than chicken fingers at a bar mitzvah. Do you think that that is still the case, or is there has there been a resurgence? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the resurgence is something that that's pretty well established now. When I wrote that, the resurgence, um, which we're seeing now, which you talked about in the first um, episode with visiting Wexler's in, in Los Angeles, which I have unfortunately yet to visit, um, is now, you know, deep in the throes of um, almost its, uh, you know, starting the beginning of its second decade of this. Um, really in the mid, you know, mid-aughts, I guess, Uh, you had this growth of this new generation of Jewish deli, which was going about it in a way that was more focused on the cuisine, less on the nostalgia, um, uh, and uh, and and was succeeding uh, f- with a much younger audience of uh, of deli lovers, Jewish and non. So it, it's places like Wise Sons in, in in San Francisco, Mile End in New York, mm-hmm. um, uh, DGS in Washington DC, Kaplansky's here in in Toronto, and and so on and so forth. There's uh, you know at least a dozen of them now, if not more, and and, and they're in places like Sao Paulo, they're in places like Berlin, they're in places like London, uh, they you know, all of a sudden this became a cuisine that was desirable, um, and and especially for a younger generation who may not have grown up with it. Um, it's not something that's, you know, the nostalgic Woody Allen Times Square gift shop uh, deli that would have opened up in, you know, the, the 1980s.
0: Mm-hmm. Although I think, well, I guess some of the delis that I visited, the sort of the newer ones seem to try to evoke a bit of that nostalgia and they seem to be, uh, kind of uh, having kind of a, a retro vibe at least
1: and I, I think it worked it worked now where the deli was in decline for a long time because eating trends went against it right? people were avoiding fat they were avoiding salt they were avoiding bread they wanted new they wanted sort of global and then right. which is the basically 2000s, you just described
0: a pastrami sandwich as salt and fat exactly <laughs> yeah
1: and, uh, avoiding mustard avoiding <laughs> rye um, and then really in the beginning of the 2000s you see as, as the broader food trends this kind of return to Roots cooking, the return to sort of uh, DIY and back to the land cooking, the rise of cuisines that are meat heavy, whether it's places like Animal in Los Angeles where the cooking is now to tail or, you know, the, the huge growth in southern barbecue a brisket, smoked brisket-based cuisine, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, you know, the, the growth of slow food, the growth of pickling. I mean, all this fit into the, uh, the natural strengths of the Jewish deli, and so all of a sudden, it went from being something that was you know perceived as tired or perceived as outdated to being into the sort of center of the zeitgeist and not just the new jewish delis that opened the, the places that we talked about but you know the legacy places the the Manny's, the Langers, the the Katz's, the carnegies suddenly those became again you know relevant and and desirable and cool yeah awesome
0: all right well thank you david uh, this has been a uh, a mouthwatering conversation
1: cool well thanks dan i appreciate it
0: okay thanks david take care Nora Ephron called Langer's Pastrami Sandwich, quote, in short, a work of art, end quote. The LA Times called the number 19 at Langer's, quote, not only the world's best sandwich, but the most glorious architectural achievement since St. Louis erected that amazing arch, end quote. Langer's is the proud recipient of the coveted James Beard Foundation Award and has been a family business in Los Angeles since 1947. Here's my interview with the amazing owner, Norm Langer, and his daughter, Tricia. So I'm here at Langer's uh, Deli in Los Angeles with Norm and Tricia Langer. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about the the kind of the history of the place. When did it all begin? How did it all begin?
3: My dad opened up Langer's in June 17, 1947. He originally started in Sydney's Delicatessen, on Freeling Heisen Avenue in Newark, New Jersey when he was 12 years old. Wow. My grandmother didn't have enough money for his bar mitzvah. So he needed $35 for his bar mitzvah. She got him a job at Sydney standing on a box selling hot dogs, and that's how he made his bar mitzvah money.
0: That's the way it used to be. Well, that's how <laughs> yeah, it was in those exactly. days.
3: You know, from there, I mean, he grew up, grew up in that area. He traveled back and forth to Florida and the Catskill Mountains to make a living as he got older. He eventually moved out to Southern California and opened up a deli in Palm Springs, which he was at for a year. He went to work at Silicate Silicatessen on Soto Street, and this is back in the 40s. He met my mother there, they got married. He went and did a stint in the Army. Then he opened up a deli on 8th and Irolo, which is right off of Normandy. They were That's where I was born. They were there for a couple of years and came over here in 1947. Wow. And we've remodeled three times and gone from an original 12 seats to 65 seats, and now at 135.
0: Amazing. And how would you say that the deli, the menu has changed since, since then? I mean, a, a lot of these things are, have they been around for a long time? Or? Got,
3: we've got a lot of basic Jewish delicatessen items as well as coffee shop and dinner house items. But I am a believer in the area that you're in dictates what items you carry. No, I'm probably one of the only delis around that doesn't have bologna. I can't sell it. I don't sell liverwurst. Can't give it away. I can't give away knockwurst. So there's certain Jewish deli items I don't have. Gefilte fish is another one. Because of the area we're located in, there's no call for it. Yeah, did there used to be? Was there it? was originally oh, yeah. sure. If we go, if we go back to the you know, early 60s, the 50s, and the 40s, there was a big call for it because we had a Jewish population in the area. Yeah. If you look at Los Angeles as a whole, the Jewish population started in East L.A., Brooklyn Avenue, Soto Street, in that general area. Boyle Heights. Boyle Heights. Yeah. As as time went on, uh, it moved into this area eventually Santa Monica, and now a lot in the San Fernando Valley yeah. as the migration moved, as it grew.
0: And so, and Trisha, you've been, have, did you just basically grow up in this restaurant? I mean... Always. I grew
2: up helping out on the weekends, but I never knew that I'd be here full-time uh-huh. as my occupation. So <laughs> I've now been here 13 years. Wow. Full-time.
0: And, how, and so do you feel like you now have sort of pastrami coursing through your veins? or?
2: Yeah, sometimes I find myself outside work talking about pastrami and how it's made and what we do. And yeah, it kind of blows my mind because I never thought I'd be talking about pastrami the way that I do. <laughs> on certain days when our my dad's not here or our manager, um, I've been taught how to hand cut the pastrami. So there's very few people that know how to do that. Yeah. So on the days when I need to, Pull my hair back and get back there and do it. I can do it. And on those days, I come home, and it's I can smell it permeating through my skin. I can just feel it, (laughs) and it's under my nails. What female wants pastrami under her nails? But I do.
0: I, you know, I, I, I would be in love with a woman with pastrami under. That's that's (laughs) that's the first thing I look for. Truthfully,
2: (laughs) my husband said, the day he knew. Truthfully, the day he knew I was the one was when he picked me up and said, "What'd you do today at work? How was work?" And I said, well, we were short, and I had to cut pastrami. And he said that's when he knew. Wow. He said because he knew that I wasn't the kind of girl that didn't roll up her sleeves. Yeah. And the fact that I did said a lot to him. That's amazing. Who knew pastrami would get right. me a husband? Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, gets, uh, it can get you everywhere in this world, pastrami. <laughs> and so originally was the... Was the deli, it, was it a mostly Jewish clientele? I mean, is that who it, uh, it mostly if served you, in, the, in the old days?
3: If you go back to the 40s, okay, it was primarily a Jewish clientele that had migrated here from Boyle Heights, okay, Brooklyn Avenue, Soto Street, in that area. The Westlake MacArthur Park across the street had a recreation area with shuffleboard and tables where the older gentlemen used to play chess. Yeah. And it was very big, and the population was Jewish at that time. Yeah. So, you know, the I think the recreation area lasted probably up until about 20 years ago. And it was a congregation. But as we got into the, what do we want to say, late 70s, early 80s, the area became difficult with prostitution, gangs, drug dealers, and so on.
0: It is interesting. It's it's clearly a, um, a standout in this neighborhood in terms of, you know, you, you look across, you've got like pawn shops and check cashing places and Barber shops and things like that, and then you got Langer's Deli. It's
3: definitely a standout. You know, it it the area has become difficult. It's cost me some business. Yeah. As some people just don't want to deal with the area blight. We used to be open from 6:30 a.m. to 1 a.m. during the week and 3 a.m. on the weekend. Yeah. As the years progressed and the area became more difficult, I finally backed it down from three o'clock to one o'clock and one o'clock to 11 o'clock. And I finally decided it's not worth my time.
0: Yeah, so you don't even open at night now. We're
3: open Monday through Saturday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. and closed okay. on Sunday.
0: I'm curious about sort of what, and I don't know how much you know about this, but sort of the the origins of where all this food came from. Like, what? why is a pastrami sandwich a, a thought of as a Jewish deli sandwich?
3: If you, go, if you go back in time and there was no refrigeration and no way to preserve food, pastrami, pastrami being a salted, smoked product, you were able to hold it without refrigeration. That is the only answer I can give you. I've done some research further than that, I haven't really come up with too much information, but you've got a lot of, you know, your Jews that came over here from Europe, Mm -hmm. that brought a lot of their customs, a lot of their dietary needs, and a lot of these, shall we say, practices with them. But I really haven't gone in depth to research it fully.
0: Sure. Obviously, the number 19, which is the most popular sandwich. I had one yesterday. It's pastrami, coleslaw, Russian dressing, Swiss cheese on rye. Delicious, amazing sandwich. Hot double baked rye. Hot double baked rye. Please, if you're going to quote it, please do it properly. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Um, Clearly, not a a kosher sandwich. did that when when those it's
3: for the reform
0: sure, Jews. Sure, it's reformed Jews, right. The non kosher but was there any resistance like when those sandwiches got introduced? Was it like did the Jewish clientele? Say, very, very oh, hey, very interesting
3: question. Over the years you get bored with product. So you start experimenting. Yeah. And that's what my dad did. That's how the number nineteen came about. My mother and dad used to come in every day to work. My, my mother got bored with it. She came up with a pastrami, tomato, and cream cheese. Sounds terrible. It's <laughs> our good flavors that meld and go well together. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Well, what about the bread? And I read there's something about how, when he was going, they, they had the deli in Palm back Springs. In the, back in and... the
3: early '40s, my dad opened up the deli in Palm Springs. There were no Jewish bakeries there. It wasn't possible to get double. Ba- wasn't possible to get rye bread. Yeah. So he ordered bread from a bakery here in Los Angeles, delivered to him by Greyhound bus every day, and he had to find a way to rejuvenate it. So he took the bread and put it in the oven and rebaked it. Mm. And that's a process we still use today. Wow. The pastrami itself is great. Yeah. The bread, if the bread is no good, makes the pastrami no good. Yeah. So the two items, are being excellent work well together. Yeah. And that's back where we're at. If you go to New York, and I was back there a few months ago, and uh, I went into to Katz's, Katz's yeah. and I sat and I talked to a gentleman that owns it now, and we talked and talked. The biggest problem is they don't have any decent bread. Hmm. They can put a pound of meat on a sandwich, you pick it up, the bread falls apart before you get it to your mouth. Right. So that's been the constant complaint about all the delis back east. Why they don't have decent bread, I don't know on the other side of the coin they've got fantastic bagels
0: they got the bagels so they can't get fig- the bread right go figure it out it,
3: <laughs> it doesn't make any sense huh. you know and I, and I told the gentleman from casa I said you're far better off put the pastrami on a plate give them the bread on the side because yeah. they can't pick it up <laughs> that's true <laughs> You know, but you know, who am I to tell him? Yeah. yeah. Man's got himself a gold mine. Man's man's got himself a gold mine.
0: Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, thanks very much. This has been amazing. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Langer's. I live in Echo Parks and not far. And I come here uh, fairly regularly for lunch. So Uh,
3: I I thank you so much for considering us. Of course. And for interviewing us and allowing us to be part of your podcast.
0: Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Okay. I'm
3: not from Columbia.
1: Yeah, oh, I'm going to have pastrami on white bread with uh, mayonnaise and tomatoes and lettuce.
0: Zach Brooks launched the Midtown Lunch Blog in May of 2006, partly as a public service to help other office workers find good lunches in New York City, but mostly as an excuse for him to eat really fattening lunches every day. In January of 2010, he moved to the West Coast, where he now uses the LA section of Midtown Lunch as an excuse to get, as he says, even fatter. He's also the host of the amazing podcast, Food is the New Rock, which features musicians talking about food and chefs talking about music. It's totally great, and you should check it out. So, Zach has promoted this controversial theory that the plain pastrami on rye at Langer's is a superior sandwich to their infamous number 19. So we did the only rational thing for two food-loving, food-curious Jews to do. We ate them both. I'm going to get a celery and um, we're going to do the
4: 19, right? Yeah, are you recording? Yeah, I'm recording now. Yeah. Wait, why do you got to make me look bad? I'm like, <laughs> I, I am like, I'll take the Arnold Palmer, yeah. like a, like an like a proper Angelino. That's well, that's the Angelino like, drink. I'm gonna have a celery, have because, a celery. because that's, that's what you the, drink that's at Langris. Right yeah.
0: I, I know how it goes. Do I
4: need to, do I need to change my no, order no, to a Dr. Brown's <laughs> Black Cherry Soda or
0: Cream <laughs> Soda? Cream Soda. It's your call. You can get multiple beverages. Uh, so I think we're gonna do a 19. And then just pastrami on rye, right? That's, that's the real that's, taste test that we're I gonna mean, do.
4: That's the, uh, yeah, I think so.
0: Okay. Oh, here they are now. All right, so what, should we swap halves?
4: Uh, yeah, we can swap yeah, halves. Do that. Yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay.
0: You grab one,
4: I'll grab the other. It is de- there's a height difference already. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. There's definitely a height difference. Um, well, you know, it's I mean, one has more stuff on it. It's just it, got so more stuff. It's, it's just it's science. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Obviously, there's nothing kosher about this sandwich. It's got well, yeah, twins. that's the other thing. I
4: mean, it's like right. I mean, not that authenticity is such a ridiculous word, but it does seem weird that a a Jewish meat sandwich should have cheese on it, yeah, as being like the perfect. Example of that sandwich. Yeah. Now I say that. Listen, I say that as someone I'm telling you, I love meat sandwiches with Swiss cheese yeah. and coleslaw and Russian dressing. It's an amazing thing. I'm not one of. the I'm not crazy. Yeah. But I don't know. There's something about. Well, I mean, you'll. Yeah. Let's you'll find see out. For yourself.
0: Right, I'm going to try the. I'm going to go plain Jane first it's hard to eat and this sandwich is so huge it's hard to hold a microphone and eat at the same time see if I can
4: you know we never eat on our podcast oh you never do never because you don't like the sound and you're finding out why right now
0: it's a really it seems like a bad idea (laughs) all right maybe we'll take a break we're gonna take a break and then report back on the sandwiches because this is not anything anybody wants to hear all right now we're back we are uh, I'm completely full Totally stuffed from uh, pastrami sandwich and the 19 here at Langer's, which is... uh, I may have to burp a little bit. This is why (laughs) you shouldn't... You know, this is hard. The the challenges of a food podcast, I'm discovering. Um,
4: It's funny. Like, I think 20 minutes is... 30 minutes is a lapse for us. Yeah. But it's only a second. And I'm imagining that, like, on the podcast... A second ago, we were like both like super animated <laughs> yeah, and excited. And now we're like, uh, so we just finished eating, and yeah, meat
0: coma. I'm ready for a nap. Yeah, I need like an either an espresso <laughs> or a nap. But
4: I think I I think I'm on board with your theory. I mean, listen, like we both ate both halves. Yeah. Yeah, I went I went back and forth bite for bite yeah, the whole time. Yeah. Because there is I mean listen, the number nineteen is delicious. It is you can't argue it's delicious. I mean coleslaw is delicious. Yeah. And cheese, Swiss is, delicious. cheese is delicious. It's all yeah. delicious. But I feel like at Langer's their pastrami is unbelievable. Yeah. Like it is really You think it's the best in the country? I mean, it's the best I've ever had, I think, consistently. I mean, there's some great other places in L.A. Um, You know, Wexler's and Grand Central Market, you mentioned, and I love that place. Um, And, uh, you know, even Katz's. Like, some people will argue, like, Katz's pastrami and Langer's pastrami are both delicious, right? They're both great. But then, even if you concede that point, which I don't, but even if you do... The bread at Langer's puts it over the top the bread yeah. the rye bread at, at Langer's is really the best rye bread I've ever had in sandwich form. It is like the ins- it doesn't it's not it, it it's perfectly crunchy on the outside without being toasted or anything stupid like that. yeah, it is like unbelievably crunchy on the outside, but then like pillowy and soft on the inside. It's like the perfect. Pastrami sandwich bread yeah. There is none better I've never had anything better yeah. And to me it's like If you get that the, br- the best bread you've ever had The best pastrami A little bit of mustard Like, what? Why would you want to Mask any of that With other stuff But I don't know I really want to taste That perfection yeah. Yeah. And even though pastrami. The number 19 is delicious I feel like coleslaw, Swiss cheese, all that stuff should be put on inferior deli meat. Right, you said turkey would be... Yeah, turkey or even, even pastrami at just a regular deli, right? Yeah. But I'll tell you, to be honest... Uh, the real thing to do is to go with another person, order both, and split them, uh-huh. and then you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. And, which is what we did. <laughs> which is exactly what we and did. that really and yeah, yeah, satisfied not, both cravings. Yeah. Did you, did you grow up eating deli food? Like, where did you grow up? I grew up in Miami, so Miami. yeah. I mean, okay. we definitely. Uh, I mean, there was this place called Pumpernickel's down the street from our house. They brought out a little, little thing of free pickles and the bread basket, um, which was always delicious. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there were all the great places in Miami Beach, like Wolfies, and yeah, all the classic places. And did you think of
0: deli? Did you think of deli food as Jewish food? Like that's—I grew up thinking I'm going to the Jewish deli. I'm having Jewish food. It, it seemed like a Jewy thing to go do.
4: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, I feel like I would always get like lox, eggs, and onions, or Perfect. yeah, or like a. Yeah, Jewish deli sandwich, right? Yeah. Like pastrami or corned beef or sure. tongue yeah. or rye bread.
0: Isn't it Jewish? You're going to tell me it's, it's not? No, it is absolutely. I mean, there's, I'm looking down at the menu. There's <laughs> matzo ball soup here. That is absolutely, uh, it's absolutely Jewish.
4: I mean, I guess the putting the cheese on the meat sandwich does call into question that. Exactly. But, um, well, and that's, yeah, wanna, I'm
0: going to talk to Norm from, uh, I mean, from can't, Langer's about that. Can we
4: have something? No, I know. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, have, I mean, have we not no- suffered enough? <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, listen. Didn't they change the Passover rules this year? I yeah, know they just changed them. Yeah, so you know, maybe maybe we're inching closer we're, yeah, we're and closer towards. Uh, I think they'll the day that a... I can eat lobster without guilt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or pastrami chili cheese fries. How, how could something so delicious be considered so dirty? I know it's not right. Actually, I do know how that is. Yeah, that's probably, it is dirty. It is. We got really dirty in this lunch. It was gross. It was. I mean, we're covered we in just mustard met, too. We're looking at each other. We're like, we're well, like, yeah, at good. least we're both we're both we're doing both it. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, that seems
0: like a good note to end on. Um, Thank you, Zach, for uh, joining me here on the Kibitz at uh, Langer's. Thanks for having me. Of course. Alright, Let's go get some toothpicks. (laughs) (laughs) And now Zach tells us about his bar mitzvah for a kid walks into a bar. What, what do you remember?
4: My, what do I remember about you? you mean besides the uh, Broadway musical theme and me dressing up as uh, the Phantom of the Opera for my entrance? Like wow, uh, yeah, it's pretty terrible. You do not uh, strike Super me. As, was that your idea, or was like your mom really <laughs> different? <laughs> She's like, I know what we're gonna do. Sadly, Broadway I can't musical. blame this on my mom. Unless wow. it, I mean, my mom introduced me to Broadway musicals okay. as every good Jewish mom does. Sure, uh, through Barbra Streisand. Um, <laughs> my mom was a huge Barbra Streisand. Of course, yeah, but it's they all, all like were. The eight they track. all are. She had it on a. Red. They all are. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. um, yeah. No, I mean, I was into Broadway musicals. I was into, you know, yeah, theater as a kid. Yeah. I went to a theater junior high school. Oh wow! So, like, all my friends right. in seventh grade, we were in theater together okay. and liked Broadway musicals. So, wow. you know, it's. Uh, I'm and not proud of it, and, you've, and you. And now you're a straight man. I'm it's not proud a- of it. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, my wife still questions. She still I'm, questions. I
0: have an affinity for. For, for musicals as well. So, yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. So but how did that? How did that
0: theme? What did it look like at your bar mitzvah?
4: Uh, it was, you know, a um, it was like one of those theater signs on every table. There was the oh, like a marquee. Uh, yeah, like a, they, they. Yeah, like well, um, yeah. Well, the uh, the 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 t-shirts that we had printed up uh, did have a. Marquee, and actually, now I'm remembering. God, I forgot about this. We actually, uh, the candle lighting was turned into the Zaki Awards, where we handed out <laughs> chocolate statues. Oh my God! Instead of lighting candles. And, uh, you know, the kids were at the Phantom of the Opera table, obviously, because I yeah. think maybe my parents were at the Les Mis table, very, okay. very popular I'm gonna, around
0: that time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go out on a limb here and guess that there was not a Jesus Christ Superstar table.
4: Uh, you know, I, uh, listen, it's a great show. It's, I, it's a great my show. Favorite.
0: Did you do a number?
4: Uh, no, I mean, aside okay. from like having the DJ play the Phantom of the Opera theme song for my entrance. Yeah. <laughs> and me coming in with the cape and the mask and everything. Oh, really? You did that? Yeah, I did That's that. Amazing. That happened. That and, happened. Wow. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I'm ashamed for sure. Uh, <laughs> so if you could go not back. so ashamed that I won't talk about it now for yeah. comedy's sake. Sure. But um, I definitely wouldn't have shown it to my wife before we were married. But you have um, video of it. Oh yeah, for oh, yeah. sure. Come and she's on seen now. it. You yeah. think my parents are going to spend the money on a on a Broadway musical bar mitzvah and then yeah. not and videotape <laughs> it? That's craziness.
0: <laughs> so if you uh, if you go could go back now and redo it, what would you? Uh, how would you change it? What, what um, would your theme be?
4: I would. Uh, I don't think I would change anything except maybe you know telling the girls that I like that I actually like them. Maybe it would have been a little more bold on yeah. that front. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not that it would have made a difference. I mean, as I said, I had a Broadway musical theme bar mitzvah, so <laughs> right, exactly. it really the girls weren't gonna,
0: exactly fawning over you.
4: Yeah, no. Yeah. Except in the uh, the photo we took, where they got the girl on either side of me to kiss me on the cheek for the oh, photo, nice. you know, as they as they do in the group bar mitzvah photo. I don't yeah, know if
0: I didn't think I have one. I didn't get with that. Yeah, that's no. yeah. You
4: had to. That's uh, the photographer offered, and I accepted. And you were like, absolutely. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you should definitely make. My yeah. friends do that.
0: It's interesting. i, I never thought about this, but it, it seems like shame. It seems like you need to be a little bit shamed at your bar mitzvah, and that's part of like becoming a man. Like the, you have to like look back on it and realize how embarrassing it was, and that's maybe that's part of like getting you into uh,
4: into adulthood. I mean, I'm, I, my theory is that's the point of every Jewish holiday, <laughs> and right. I mean, that's <laughs> like. It's yeah. all about shame. It's all about shame. Shame about eating bread. Yeah. Shame about eating it all on Yom yeah. Kippur. I mean sure. that's it's just all shame. Yeah. How was the food at your at your reception? Um, you know, I, I don't remember I mean I, I'm pretty sure there were chicken fingers. That's sure. I mean that's the I don't Classic. Re- Yeah, I wasn't yeah, chicken fingers and french fries I think were the yeah. So you hadn't become like a real foodie. No, and back see, now. that's the thing is that people probably will hear this story and think, like, oh, fucking rich kid, like, whatever. And we actually weren't even that rich. Like, we were pretty, like, firmly middle class. And, I mean, we didn't have, like, a, you know, sushi bar or. Shrimp cocktail yeah, or yeah. any of that sort of like chocolate fountain. Yeah, we didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah, Jay Z
0: didn't play. No, <laughs> no, we had no. We had
4: we had Dave Wood as the DJ, nice. very famous I'm in I'm Miami. Would I'm you party? Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, all the money went towards Broadway musical wow. uh, signs, uh-huh. and, and finale, then my yeah. cape, uh-huh. my cape, and uh, and, and your mask. mask. Yeah, Do you still have it And the chocolate statues. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's not forget the chocolate don't, statues. Don't, yeah, those
0: don't those don't come cheap. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, thanks, Zach. Uh, It sounds like an incredible bar mitzvah and uh, really brought you into manhood with style. So where's your favorite Jewish deli? Email me at kibitzpod at gmail.com or tweet us at kibitzpod and let us know. And thanks for listening to this special episode 6.5 of The Kibbits. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow me at Dan Crane here. And before you lather your pastrami with mayo, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. I'd like to thank our guests, David Sachs, Norman Tricia Langer of Langer's Deli, and Zach Brooks. This episode was produced and edited by me, Dan Crane, with help from Adam Sachs, Sarah DeLeo, and David Jargowski. Additional engineering by Brett Morris. Special thanks to David Katz Nelson, Earwolf, and as always, Reboot. Our main theme music is courtesy of Nunam Plu. Thanks for checking out the kibbutz.